and welcome back to Favorite Things. This week we are talking about uh, things we're thankful for uh, in the lead up to Thanksgiving, the American Thanksgiving holiday, for those of you who may not be uh, local to the United States. Um, so uh, this week I'm going to kick things off. Um, Betsy will take over the next week and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, but, uh, this week I'm going to kick us off, uh, in the lead up to a new series that's going to be on Disney plus at the end of the month. Um, we're going to be talking about the 1988 film Willow. So for me, uh, right now we're looking at the, the title page on Disney plus where apparently they have a 4k ultra HD uh, version of the film. Uh, I'm excited to see how that transfer is. Um, but I grew up with this movie. Uh, this movie was really my introduction to fantasy um, movies and stories. Um, if it weren't for this movie, I don't think I would have been as open-minded to things like Lord of the Rings, Chronicles mm-hmm. of Narnia, a lot of things. Um, and this opened a broader world up for me uh, in entertainment. And there's a lot of DNA of Star Wars in this. It's written by George Lucas um, and one day uh, Star Wars director Ron Howard. And it's got a lot of it's got a lot of the secret sauce of what makes a good fantasy story work. Uh, it's not perfect by any means, um, but I really, I really enjoy this movie, even in hindsight. I, I'm looking forward to watching it again with a fresh set of eyes um, and going through. I, I love uh, the character of Willow. Um, I love that a little person is the main character. He yeah. is. The character that we start the movie with, we travel through the whole movie with, and we end the movie with. And while you get other heroic characters like um, Val Kilmer's Mad Mardigan, uh, Willow is the hero. And I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know. I want to talk on and on about this, and <laughs> and I have no idea how long I'll talk once we've actually watched the movie, but. There's a lot of that Lord of the Rings flavor in here that they accomplish in, according to Disney Plus, two hours and six minutes, that Lord of the Rings had to take roughly 12 hours to do. Yeah. And that's no small feat. And so I'm I'm looking forward to going back into this. What's what's your recollect, recollection of this movie? What's What's your feel on it, your gauge? So you introduced me to this movie. Yeah. Um, and I have to be honest, I remember being lost in it. Okay. Like, not following it very well and kind of feeling bored with it. So, <laughs> when, when you watch it this time, I, I actually want to give you and anyone else who's thinking of listening to our intro, watching the movie, and then coming uh-huh. back with our thoughts on it, I want to challenge you to look at it through different lenses this time, what I want you to do is I want you to look at this as George Lucas's second attempt at Star Wars. 
So here's what I mean. Originally, the fun fact, originally, George Lucas wanted the character that would become Luke Skywalker to be a little person. He wanted Princess Leia to be a little person. He wanted a lot more little people to be the heroes of the story. He was very influenced by that Tolkien kind of monomyth, and he wanted to he wanted to bring that in. For whatever reason, that didn't happen. Uh, but in this, we get we get to see a lot of that vision, and even a lot of the characters in this are the characters from Star Wars. Uh, General Kale, uh, you'll see him. He's going to be the uh, evil sword swordsman with the skull uh, death's head mask on is Darth Vader. He is straight up Darth Vader. Um, Mad Mardigan is kind of a fill-in for Han Solo. Okay. Um, and even the evil queen is the Emperor. And everyone else, the rebels, are, are the Rebel Alliance. And this just takes out the spaceships and the lasers and it pulls out that fantasy side of science fantasy that Star Wars is. Yeah. So as you watch this, I want you to think of it not as necessarily even Lord of the Rings, but think of it as Star Wars just okay. playing I'll out differently. I'll do my best and hopefully I'll have a different opinion of it after tonight. You, you may, you may yeah, not. May this, is, this, this is a movie I'm yes. thankful for. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to talking about it. And if you are bored by it, please share where you got lost and and what what maybe disconnected for you. Yeah. Right. Uh, because one of the things I like about this film, I think, will be something you don't like about this film. Yeah. And we could talk about that after the movie. Okay. So. We'll be back in hopefully just a moment for you, but for us, it's going to be at least two hours and six (laughs) minutes, uh, possibly a day. We'll be back right after this. And we're back. Okay, so nostalgia strikes again. Um, So I... I'm still very thankful for this movie, mainly because it was what I'll call a gateway drug for me into a lot more in-depth world building, uh, better filmmaking. A lot of of great movies were introduced to me because of this movie. So I, I am very grateful for this movie. So let's talk about it. All right, let's talk about it. So you said shortly before we started recording, you had no memory of this movie. I had no memory of this movie. Anything I remember about it was not in this movie. I don't know what I remembered, but it was a very dark... You probably remembered Legend. Probably. But in my memory, I'm thinking dark adventure... You know, just something that makes me feel blah, and it was it lost me, and that's probably legend. Yeah. Uh, specifically, the director's cut. If and when we ever 
go <laughs> to that. We'll we'll talk about it. Um, from my memory, probably a better movie, not nearly as fun. Um, so back to back to Willow. So this this movie is is straight up uh, Star Wars for Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah. But unlike either of those movies, I feel like it's it's simultaneously the the most it's the most George Lucas and the least George Lucas. <laughs> so uh, I'll explain. It's the most George Lucas. This movie is more uh, traditional hero's journey storytelling. Um, bad dialogue. Um, just across the board. Uh, it's the least George Lucas because there seem to be a lot more moments of fun uh, in the cast and even in the direction. Uh, one thing I really appreciated watching this movie is if you watch the actual cinematography and direction of this movie, mm -hmm. the actual film direction, not the dialogue, I'm going to be very specific about that. Um, I, I noted on this particular rewatch, I was like, wow, I don't remember the dialogue being this bad. It's <laughs> yeah, bad. It's, it's very bad. It's, it's not good. Um, however, all of the actors do the most with the worst lines. Yeah. And I... I have to give it to him. I I remember the Star Wars prequels um, being bad. And I think watching this movie should have been a, a red flag for everyone when they were thinking about the Star Wars prequels. So George Lucas is writing this thing. Are you sure? Are you sure that's a good idea? Um... Because in this movie, you have Ron Howard, who is an accomplished filmmaker, and a, I would argue a great filmmaker. And he is given a story by George Lucas with a script that's been adapted from this story that George Lucas wrote. And it's... The story's fine. The... the the outline of the story, like I said, is is Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. It's it's fine, honestly. Borders on good. Yeah. The dialogue choices are so stilted and forced, and in some scenes, I'm trying to decide whether it's idiotic or genius, because particularly the Mad Mardigan character is a layered performance of he's a con man, but he's trying to put on an act for everybody up until the third act of the movie. Mm -hmm. And in those scenes, he gives such awful lines, and I'm not sure if the lines are supposed to be awful or not in yeah. those moments. Um... The, uh, there are twists in this movie that come out of nowhere. Um, and as I mentioned to Betsy when we were watching the movie, 
hey, I bet you're wondering where that turn came from. And yeah. turns out there's a good amount of stuff about this movie that was written for this movie, if not shot for this movie, that totally explains character motivations that is left on the cutting room floor. Um, Sorsha, in the third act, switches from bad guy to good guy. She is ready to kill everyone, including Val Kilmer and Willow, until she gets into Tira's lean. And then all of a sudden she sees Val Kilmer uh, looking like Val Kilmer. Don't get me wrong. Handsome, <laughs> handsome, handsome man. Especially 1988 Val Kilmer. <laughs> and all of a sudden she flips uh, from the power of sex. And uh, I'm not saying that couldn't happen, but I'm saying some sort of motivation outside of that would probably be good. And turns out it was written. Uh, the The motivation was that she was stolen from the from the kingdom of Tirasling as a child, and her parents are in stone. Yeah. And when she goes into the kingdom, sees them and has a conversation with them. This scene was cut. Uh, other things that would have really made this movie flow a lot better uh, are the explanation of why, on the multiple occasions that they get a Laura Dannon, they don't kill her immediately. Yeah. Um, again, explained in backstory, and I believe in some cut dialogue, that she is the reincarnation of someone who beat Bav Morda, and if she is just killed, she can just come back and beat Bab Morda. Uh, and so there has to be this really involved ceremony that apparently takes right. 72 hours yeah. to complete. Uh. Because I think two full days el el elapsed between when she arrives in the bad guy's kingdom and uh, when they're they the they getting so close to being done with the ritual. Yeah. Uh. And and towards the end, I was trying to exp explain to myself, I'm trying to sell myself on why this works or doesn't work. And at the end, when the evil queen dies by accidentally being struck by lightning, I'm like, was the whole plan that the baby would be struck by lightning with all this stuff and it would suck her soul out. Was that the plan? Because at the beginning of the, of the fight scene, when she starts the ritual and the rain starts, I'm like, I thought you called the storm. Right. So I thought you were in total control, <laughs> but that lightning took you out. So, um, I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure, and it's not entirely clear to me. Um, th this is where the the writing fails the movie. Yeah. Fortunately, fortunately, the movie has amazing set design. It has amazing performances in spite of the script. It has great cinematography and direction, and it has one of the most charismatic leads of the 1980s in Val Kilmer. <laughs> and so you bring all of this together and 
honestly a good amount of charm because we didn't really have this sort of fantasy movie in the 1980s. Everything up till now was either ultra serious, like a Lady Hawk, or um, uh, or Legend, or Never Ending Story. All of those are very dour, mm-hmm. um, or they're a comedy, like Princess Bride. Yeah. Um, and I would argue those movies are probably better movies, better films yes. than this is. But I think this is more of a fun ride. Yeah. I mean, I... That, well, with the exception of Princess Bride. Um, oh, yeah. You can't go wrong with Princess no, Bride. No, this is you this can... is in a completely yeah. different league. Right. It's it's not even fair to, to compare yeah. them. Um, but for this movie, you know, I was just kind of expecting to be like, oh, I, I was expecting to get very much bored with it and maybe start scrolling on my phone. I only picked up my phone once, and that was to track food that I ate just before we were... Yeah. And that's the only time. And I, I actually left my phone down because I, I was interested in what was happening. Mm-hmm. It, kept, it kept my attention. Though there's so many times I'm like, that was really bad. That oh. scene was really bad. That death scene so, was horrific. And not in a... Oh, my oh, gosh, that's Eric's, gross. <laughs> Eric's, Eric's death scene... I started laughing. You did, and <laughs> and justifiably so. And had he slumped back or had he shuddered and fallen out of frame, I think it might have worked. Unfortunately, he lifts up, shudders, fall backs, and then slumps, and it goes... But he lifted back up for the final death. It goes way too long and way too pronounced, and... Not the worst death on film, but for what we've watched recently, it's up there. Uh, I feel like it was supposed to be this endearing moment, and so yeah, I laughed. Gavin O'Hillary, Hillary, he's he is not going to be considered in the hall of great actors, (laughs) but. He is in the Hall of Working Actors, and he's actually a decent working actor. His death scene just, for this film, for this particular film, I would have taken a different take. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm like, if that's the best take they had, oh, wow. um, Anyway, there was was several times throughout the movie, I was like, oh, that was really bad acting there. Oh, that was horrible there. mm -hmm. But it didn't take me out of the movie. And... I, I would argue in most of those cases, it's because the actors are delivering lines they don't believe. Yeah. And what's what I didn't realize in 1990 is about when I would have seen this film. So you were five years old? Right about. Yeah. Um, and this movie did traumatize me in the scene where everyone gets turned into pigs. <laughs> Yeah, you were watching like, all right, this is the scene that traumatized me. You're watching, I'm like, okay. As a five, as a, <laughs> as a five year old, I could, yeah. As a five year old, you see the heroes of the movie yes. turned into pigs. Yes, that could be in a very dark and kind of creepy way. Um, especially since special effects aren't something you fully comprehend yet. Right. 
But then two, two minutes later, they're all back into being people. They are, but think of it in the same way as Avengers Infinity War, where they snap people into dust. Right. Spoilers for a film that is almost five years old. Yeah. And in the next movie, everyone's brought back. Right. It's... It's the illusion of danger for your characters. Yes. What's funny to me, though, is as I was watching the movie, the actual writing and character and character movement that connected with me most, and I'm hoping is the anchor of the upcoming show, is Willow. Yeah. Is, um, and why did I just blank on... On his name? Yeah. Ah, goodness. Okay. I'm looking this up as we're recording this. Um, so, this, this movie, first of all, is Warwick Davis's first starring role. Um, and I had his name in my head, and then I reached for it, and it, it, do- it dove into the into the corner. Um, so Warwick Davis was uh, the Ewok Wicket in Return of the Jedi, 1983. Mm. Um, around that time, uh, important to know for this movie, uh, Warwick Davis was 17 years old record, uh, during the filming of this movie. Uh, wow. I thought he looked young, but then I'm like, well, he, I can't, the little people, it's hard sometimes to tell. So he's playing... Like a Some, someone between 20 and 30. Yeah. Um, but George Lucas was so impressed with Warwick Davis on the set of Return of the Jedi, and he made such good friends during the process of that, uh, George Lucas is like, hey, I'm working on something. I, I think I think you'd be great in it. I, I think you'd be a great lead. And this is the movie that comes out of that. And yeah. he leads this film, and... Honestly, he holds his own for, oh, absolutely. for a bulk of the film. And for me, none of the that's bad acting points are Warwick Davis. Yeah. Um, there's people around Warwick yeah. Davis on several occasions, but the he is so he is so in the moment with the character that I buy him as Willow. Yes. I buy his reluctance to go on the adventure. I buy his initial reluctance to take care of Alora Dannon. And then I buy all of the choices that he makes as an actor. So there's a moment when they take Alora Dannon to the... um, to the council in, in their small little village. Yeah. And he brings him before the village elder, played by Billy Barty, of uh, international acclaim, one of the most well-known little people who has acted, period. And sets the baby down, and Billy Barty, as the village elder, says, do you have any love in your heart for this child? And... There is a moment that Warwick Davis takes where he thinks about it. Because up till this point, 
all of his dialogue has been, we got to get rid of this baby. We got to get rid of this baby. This phone can't, we, can't know we have this baby. <laughs> we can't, no one can find out that this baby's even touched us. We were cursed if they find out we have this baby. And at this point, he's brought the baby to the town and he thinks about it. He goes, yeah, I do. And it's a really good moment in, in this movie for for all of my nostalgia glasses being ripped off my face as a as a <laughs> nearly thirty seven year old man, um, I'm I'm watching this movie and I'm like, as, as a kid, you you see all the action scenes and the fight scenes and and you're like, oh, that's the cool part. That's the uh, that's the best part of the movie. You see the uh, the fantastical stuff. You're like, that's the best part of the movie. The best part of the movie is Willow's journey. From, I'm a farmer and father. I'm a farmer and caretaker of a child that's not mine. I'm a, um, I'm trying to protect this child so that they can get to a safe place. I'm on an adventure to, he returns home, uh, a wizard. Yeah. And that's his, that's his journey in this story. And that works. The moments where he's in danger, I buy the danger of the movie. Yeah. Um, and he, again, through the direction and the filmmaking and his acting, those combine so well that I'm really hoping that the series that's coming up, even if, um, even if he is not the center of the show, I'm hoping that that's the soul of the show yeah. because that's what makes the movie work. Yeah. Um, I, I love Val Kilmer's performance. And as a kid, you're like, oh, he's the swordsman. He's the guy who gets the girl. He's a tertiary character. Yeah. Uh, and interestingly enough, when they marketed the film, Val Kilmer had top billing for the, for the movie. <laughs> um, if you take him out of this movie... Um, not a lot changes. Some changes, right. but not a lot. Yeah. Um, and I'm interested to see how that plays out in a sequel series. So, uh, this movie had a lot of lasting effects. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was not the big hit George Lucas was hoping for. Yeah. Um, it was a hit. It was made on a $35 million budget, mm -hmm. uh, pulled in close to $150 million. Um, a hit, but not a big hit. Yeah. And so George Lucas goes, cool, we're not going to make more movies. I don't, don't want to dive into that. But what he does is he writes down his ideas for sequels and he hands them off to a comic book writer by the name of Chris Claremont. And Chris Claremont writes a three-book series that is The Further Adventures of Willow and Alora Dannon. Ah. Um, and uh, the upcoming series, I'm pretty sure, is going to ignore all of that. But that's something I always found interesting is the story did cont continue. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> the other legacy that this... Uh, that this movie had was the marriage of Val Kilmer and Joanne Whaley, uh, who played Sorsha. Uh -huh. Um, they didn't stay together. I 
think they were together 10 years. Okay. Um, but they ended up having a child together, fell in love during the making of this movie. Yeah. Um, seemed to be having fun during the making of this movie. But this is a movie that, as a kid, I tried to understand why it didn't have sequels. And as an adult, I totally understand. Yeah. I will say, as I'm watching it and everything, one thing that I'm like, I could totally have done without in this movie was the troll. Especially when it became the big monster. Oh, so... It felt very out of place and, so, like, so the, not necessary. So the troll is... They were trying to give a Willow-level threat for this movie. Because in almost every scene outside of the trolls, enemies are too big for Willow and he can't fight them. But the trolls are on his level. Right. And he even talks about at home how much he hates trolls. Yeah. The monster that it becomes when he zaps it was a little fun on the part of our favorite writer, George Lucas. Yes. Uh, would you know what that monster's name was? No. The monster's name was uh, Ebersisk. You what now? As in uh, a blending of Siskel and Ebert. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Siskel and Ebert, who hadn't been fans of George Lucas's films, didn't like this one either. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a, a little gesture towards... Uh, those two uh, particular reviewers. Absolutely. Uh, not the first or last time uh, that they would be mocked in a movie that historically wasn't that great. Um, in Godzilla, uh, the mayor is uh, Mayor Ebert. Um, and uh, played... Yeah, it's, it's bad. Um, but in, in this film... The Ebersisk monster was an opportunity for them to make fun of the critics, but also they needed a big show-stopping mm -hmm. monster moment. The the troll turning into it, that's a little weird. Yeah, it was weird. And then the I think the effects of it, I know it's from 1988, so it is going to be bad to our but I just feel like it didn't fit, and it was ugly. <laughs> So, I kind of like the ugly part. The <coughs> Sorry. It's fine. Uh, the One of the issues I have right now with most fantastical monsters in movies is they all look like they came from the same lab and the same art yeah. studio. With this, I kind of like the ugliness of it because it looked like it could be a real monster. Yeah. Um, I... Would I love to see an updated, um, non-stop-motion version of the monster? No, honestly. Uh, and and here's why. If, if you do that, you're talking about a full remake of this movie. So, the 4K transfer on this, uh, coming back to something we were talking about earlier, not bad, not great, not bad. Uh, it shows all the scenes in the movie. Um, it shows every bit of blue screen work with uh, 
with the brownies and yeah. <laughs> I think they might have been one of the best parts of the movie, but yeah, it was a lot of like, oh my god, oh, this is by like... by best do you mean worst? Because yeah. to me, I think yeah. I think that they might be one of the worst parts of the movie. I feel like they didn't mesh well into the scenes, especially when they were against the bigger people. It, but I, I don't know, I like their characters. But yeah, it was it was still bad. That was some more some of the bad like um, meshing of the different different whatever I'm trying to say is late. It it's <laughs> a it's a combination of of layers of effects. Yeah. And even now, if you go back and watch the Star Wars films, which they have scrubbed and corrected and digitally corrected over and over again, if you watch on a 4K TV, there are moments where you can see the seams between the visual effects. Yeah. And in 1988, we just weren't there yet. Yeah. And even with all of the finagling that George Lucas has loved to do with his movies, Willow hasn't gotten the Star Wars Special Edition treatment, and I kind of hope it doesn't. I, I kind of enjoy going back to these older movies where they were trying some pretty bold special effects, and you see all the seams. You see... The strings on the monster. You mm-hmm. see the fact that that's a claymation monster that Val Kilmer yeah. is killing. Um, I like that because it takes me back to a different time in filmmaking where even, even that monster existed in a physical form. Yeah. It was a clay monster, but it existed in a physical form. Now everything exists in a computer and that's cool we get really realistic stuff but at at a certain point everything feels like a computer game yeah and i miss i miss some of the old the old ways um and i i feel like i'm starting to sound like a broken record on these podcasts as i talk about some of these older films in relation to newer films but i I kind of miss it, um, because when I think about stuff like this, or Jurassic Park, or E.T., um, or even the old Star Wars movies, there is a charm to me of the fact that guys got together with <laughs> old model kits, or modeling clay, mm-hmm. and they came up with cameras, and they were like, alright, so our character... Needs to be chased by a giant monster. This monster is currently 18 inches tall. And our actor is 6 foot 3. How are we going to make this look threatening? <laughs> and at least to the movie going public at the time, they succeeded. Yeah. And so I enjoy this movie, again, as, as my gateway drug, as a, a time capsule of old effects. Right. Um... Could they have done it differently? Probably. There is a ton of stuff I would do differently in this movie. I would start with the script. Um, but, I don't know. There's there's charm. There's infinite charm in this. And I'm excited to see what a 2022 sequel to this movie is yeah. going to look like on November 30th. Yeah. I I think the reason I have a lot of hope for it, um, 
one, I like the base story and I like Willow. The yeah. the character Willow. Uh, two, Star Wars episodes one, two, and three weren't great. Um, they're they're okay. They're yeah. they're enjoyable. You can you can watch them. You can enjoy them, and mm-hmm. and tons of people do. And um, I have, and I probably wouldn't if I sat down to do it right now. But I do. But the things that came out of those movies that you remember fondly have been carried to fruition by Star Wars: The Clone Wars, comic books, Star Wars Rebels. Um, Star Wars Tales of the Jedi most recently. The stories that came out of that <coughs> make me remember those movies more fondly. Yeah. Um, I'm hopeful for Willow 2022 to do that for Willow 1988. Yeah. Um, and that's as someone who is a fan of this movie, who is thankful for this movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I remember the first time... When you put it on for me, I remember it was, what, 10 or 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And you were so excited to share this movie with me because it was one of your favorite movies. Yeah, it's... I think it still is. It's a movie I've watched since I was five years old. Yeah. And it's it's important to me <coughs> in that. And I will probably watch this movie less and less as I get older. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to me to take note of it, to make note of it as that, as that entry point, yeah. as that thing that got me in the door that without this movie, I don't know that I give a three hour Lord of the Rings movie a chance. Right. I, I don't know that I sit down and read a 300 page fantasy novel. Um, but as a five-year-old enjoying this ride, it kind of gets you in the door Mm -hmm. and, and I enjoy that. And I really like where I, I like the ride. Yeah. Um, even, even if it is a rough and bumpy ride. Right. I mean, when you showed me the trailer for the new one. Yeah. couple months ago, I guess. hmm and, and we'll probably watch it as soon as we're done yeah, talking. And I kind of remember, you know, my thoughts on it was like, okay, this is, you know, I guess I'm going to have to, you know, watch through this again. But now, after watching it, the movie tonight, I'm like, I'm excited about mm-hmm. seeing it. I'm like, yeah, this was not a great movie, and it will never be in my top ten. But, um, but it was really, it was a good movie. It was fun to watch. It has moments. Yeah. And uh, I am excited to see what they do with the sequel now in 2022. I I think <laughs> the other thing that had me thinking back on this, uh, I think the other thing that had me excited for this movie, in addition to looking forward to the TV show, was the fact that we just finished up Rings of Power. Mm-hmm. And this is a lot more of the adventure, yeah. fantasy type story, and I I really look forward to it. I I've I've fallen off of stuff like Game of Thrones just because it becomes so much of a slog through the mud 
that I don't enjoy it. Whereas with Rings of Power, I very much enjoyed the ride yeah. from beginning to end. And I, I long for another journey like that. Right. Hopefully this will be the next one. We'll find out. Uh, So uh, for more uh, more episodes where we dig deep into our nostalgia and destroy it, um, (laughs) and hopefully uh, don't destroy yours, um, please come back next week when Betsy brings whatever her movie or property that she's thankful for is shared. Do Do you want to call it out right now? Ever After, A Cinderella Story. Ever After, A Cinderella Story. The 1998 Drew Barrymore film. We will be talking about it next week. I will say one thing about the movie in advance before we get there. is It's one of my favorite movies in spite of Drew Drew Barrymore. And I love Drew Barrymore, but not in that movie. Okay. Agree to disagree. (laughs) We will be be back next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye.